Welcome to the Real Weird Podcast. October 25th, the Fear Street Trilogy. So yeah, to anyone that's actually uh, seen this particular set of movies, yeah, I I wish I had seen them a lot sooner because they're so, so damn good. I got recommended them like a year ago and I just now got around to watching them. Uh, to anyone that hasn't watched them, uh, just go on Netflix if you've got it and do so. You could watch them entirely in like a five-hour sitting, the whole trilogy. And so the basic premise of Fear Street is that it's loose, is that it's based off the books of the same name by R.L. Stein, you know, who did the, the Goosebumps series. And it essentially is a centuries-long curse on a little town called Shun- called Sunny called Shady Side. And this group of local teenagers who gets dragged into trying to solve the mystery of it. I it it's really fun because you've got Dina, who's our main girl basically. Um you've got her you know closeted ex-girlfriend Sam who has since moved to Sunnyvale, which is the neighboring town. It's more upscale, a lot safer. It's kind of ritzy compared to Shadyside. You've got her brother, Josh, uh, and his friends, Simon and Kate, who are, you know, they're dealing because they're trying to save up money through, like, drug sales to get out of town eventually. And now the first one, because it kind of goes, like, backwards in time as they try to solve this like curse so the first one is 1994 so 1994 is part one we open and lee jan lee janiak i'm not sure if that's how you pronounce the director's name i'm sorry if i'm getting that wrong but she listed a few movies as like influence for this trilogy and i can definitely see what she meant with scream being the influence for this one, because this actually takes place a couple of years before the first Scream movie came out. And it opens with kind of something similar to the murder at the start of the first Scream movie, only this one's in like a local mall. And this girl, Heather, who's stabbed by her friend Ryan, he kills her and several other employees. The difference is that Sheriff Nick Good, who is the, well, Sheriff, <laughs> sorry, And he shoots and kills Ryan Torres. And what essentially happens is the... And we get this opening sequence where it's cycling through all this sort of... It's almost like a scrapbook and some old-timey maps, basically. And you hear these media reports where the media is talking about the killing and they describe it as kind of the norm for shady side, which has an unusually high like murder rate for such a small town. Basically. I, I'm not sure where in the country it is. If they even say it, the fact that there's like the fact that, well, minor spoiler, which we'll get into near the end is that it goes back to a woman who was executed for witchcraft in the 1600s. I'm assuming this is either new England or or in 
I'm assuming this is either New England or Virginia because those were the two big points of at least British colonization in the Americas um, around that time. And as I said, it's right next to Sunnyvale, which is like polar opposite. It's one of the richest and safest towns in the country, apparently. And there is the local legend that this is the result of Sarah Fear, spelled F-I-E-R, and her cursing the town before she was executed in 1666 for witchcraft. Now, whether or not anyone believes this or not, or whether or not this is just like local urban legend, depends on who you ask. Now, the thing that happened, now, the thing that makes all of this go a little bit awkward is that there's this vigil in Sunnyvale for the victims of the mall killings, and a bunch of the, like, you know, spoiled brats Sunnyvale, up, these sort of, like, upper-crusty spoiled brats that live in places like Sunnyvale, we've all met people like this, if there's, like, that fancy town in the region. They pick a fight with some of the shady side students, and... While they're returning home, um, Peter, who is Sam's new boyfriend, and one of his friends are in the car with her, and they're basically tailgating the bus carrying the students, and what happens is that in retaliation for it, the shady side students throw a cooler out the car at them, and they crash. Now, they all survive, and Sam sees a vision of Seraphir before getting taken to the hospital. And the thing that makes this creepy is the following night, Dina and her friends are stalked by someone who is, they believe to be Peter and his friends. They have, like, the, you know, the skull mask. Instead of, like, ghost face, it's the skull mask. But when they get to the hospital to visit Sam... Peter has ended up getting killed by Skull Mask, and the Skull Mask murders several other others in the hospital. And they get his mask off, and it's Ryan Torres again. Even though, you know, Nick Good shot him straight through the head after the mall massacre. So Sam and Dina seek help. They can't convince the police. Simon's attacked by Ruby Lane, who is one of Shadyside's past killers, because this has happened before, you know. This happened back in 65. And they realize that what set this whole thing off, at least for them, is that the car crash disturbed the grave of Seraphir. Because, you know, she was a witch. They weren't going to like give her an actual grave. They were just going to put her in a shallow grave outside of town. And Sam actually bled on some of the bones, which ended up resurrecting several of the shady side killers. Josh deduces that Fierce Curse is the reason for it. Because there's been like a killer almost like every generation following her execution. They attempt to give her a proper proper reburial, but they're attacked by the Camp Nightwing killer, basically Jason. <laughs> And they only want Sam, so they're attracted to her blood, so they try to use her as bait, basically. And they actually attempt to 
contact the survivor of the Camp Nightwing massacre in 78 because they find out she's alive. And... Well, okay, spoilers. A couple of characters get killed, but at first it seems like everything's fine because the killers disappear. And we get a nice cliffhanger ending where uh, Miss Berman, who was the survivor of the Camp Nightwing massacre, calls back, tells her, there's no escaping the witch. And so there's a new attack, and the first part ends. So I won't give any real... Spoilers at this point. So the next part is part two, 1978. And what happens is that Dina and Josh restrain Sam because she's basically possessed at this point. They travel to Ms. Berman's house for help, you know, initially reluctant. You know, she lets them in and recounts the events of the Camp Nightwing massacre. So we get transported back to 1978. Um, Camp Nightwing is... Uh, a place where campers from both Shadyside and Sunnyvale hang out. And Sheila, one of the Sunnyvale campers and her friends, are bullying this girl, Ziggy Berman, who's, who's been, you know, been nicknamed the witch. And, you know, they, like, hang her from her wrists from a tree and they, like, burn her arm with a lighter. And Kurt and... Teenage Nick Good, the Nick Good that would later be sheriff, are camp counselors and they intervene. And this is where we get some more indication of how long this whole thing has been going on. We get some subtle clues as to the truth of the matter, some stuff that pays off at the very end of the... Well, not the very end, but like the end of the first half of the third part of this trilogy. That's a mouthful to say. Um, so, like I said, Ruby Lane was one of the past killers, and Nurse Lane... Um, uh, Nurse Lane goes berserk and attacks Tommy, Tommy Slater, who is um, Cindy Berman's boyfriend. Uh, she doesn't kill anyone, but she's removed from the camp by police. And, you know, it's kind of the whole legend. Like, her daughter went berserk, so everyone thinks that both of them were possessed by Sarah Fear at some point. And, you know, you've also got, you know, Cindy and Tommy, like I mentioned. You've got the counselors Alice, uh, her boyfriend Arnie, And they find Lane's diary where they actually, where she's recounting stuff about Seraphir, that she made a deal with the devil by cutting off her own hand on a certain stone. 
So, you know, it continues the buildup of the tale of Seraphir. Uh, there's this big underground, like, tunnel network in Camp Nightwing, which I think I might actually... No, no, I'll, I'll talk about I'll talk about part three, but I'm just going to warn you, you really need to go watch these because they're really good. And the cave has this weird sort of like moss or mold or whatever growing all over it. It's kind of reddish. And there's this pile in one of the caves that when Alice touches it, gives her flashbacks of all the past killers and their victims. And it looks like a giant pile of like still beating organs that have been removed from their bodies. So, you know, it's, this one goes a little bit harder into the whole classical slasher vibe. Like, if the first one was Scream, this is definitely a Friday the 13th style. But you still have that group. Now, you don't have the... No, sorry. You don't really have the group like you did in the first one. Because, um, I mean, that group fragmented a little bit and some of the people involved died. But that was more like the Goonies, but a slasher movie, basically. It had elements of that. This one is a little more traditional slasher in the sense that it's mostly camp counselors and, you know, campers at this little camp out in the woods, and there's a masked killer that's attacking them. But I promise that cave will... that cave will pay off eventually. The very end of the movie cuts back to 1994 where Dina and Josh find out who this who Miss Berman actually is. And so they found Seraphir's body and they think that they can do something to end the curse with there after they've recovered her hand. Um we find out that Camp Nightwing was closed down, and Shadyside Mall was actually built fairly close to it, and the hand is actually under the same tree. But Dina gets a little nosebleed, and the very end of it finds herself being transported back to, to 1666, where she is now Seraphir. So, yeah. Um, three... It carries on with the survivors from the 1994 um, part of this. So you have, you know, sorry, you've got, you know, the lead characters for Dina and Sam and Josh. Uh, they're all playing characters in the um, distant past, 1666. Uh, there was no shady side back then. There was no Sunnyvale. There was just the town of Union. And what went on here is that they're basically just playing different characters, but it's the same cast members. And they actually brought back the characters. There's also the characters of uh, Kate and Simon. 
Jackson. Um, as I said, Dina's Dina's actress is playing uh, Sarah Fear, a version of her. Um, Sam's actress is playing Hannah Miller. So, essentially, the way this is broken down is that whereas the first two had influences from slashers, Scream and Friday the 13th being the ones, this one, she cited the Terrence Malick movie, The the New World, which isn't really a horror movie. It's more of a period drama. And Dina's basically seeing Sarah Fear's perspective of the events of 1666. So Sarah's living with her father, George, and her brother, Henry, in Union, which was, as I mentioned, the original settlement before it was divided. And her friends, Hannah and Lizzie and her, go to visit this reclusive widow living in the woods to gather these kinds of berries for a party. And they accidentally stumble on this book of black magic. Now they arrive at this party, and after shooing away this guy Caleb who was harassing Hannah, the two run off, and similar to their future counterparts, have an intimate moment, shall we say. They're unknowingly seen by Mad Thomas, who's this sort of, kind of a drunkard, but he's also like a street preacher, basically. Uh, The pastor begins to act strange the next day. The town's food and water supply are poisoned. And there's rumors about, you know, Sarah and Hannah flying around, so she confines in Solomon Good, who is, you know, Sheriff Nick Good's ancestor. And all of this sort of ends with uh, Sarah and Hannah being branded as witches. And this is where we get the truth of the matter. They were not, in fact, witches. Sarah confesses to being one, though, and claims that it was all her and that Hannah was a unwilling accomplice in this whole thing. She's hanged. And then, you know, Lizzie, Isaac, Hannah, and Abigail grieve, and they dig her up to give her a proper burial. So that's the first half of the movie. The second half is basically 1994 part two. And it cuts back to the modern day. So what we get is Dina and her friends are all trying to find a way to finally, finally break the curse here. And they figure out how to do it that I am not going to spoil. (laughs) So yeah, I'm sorry if this one seemed a little like freeform today. But I kind of figured I would do all of this just as like bare bones walk through because this was basically all one story just in three different parts. But I I think anyone, but I think if you have like a couple out, a few hours, you could burn through this whole thing in one day, five or six hours, especially if you skip the recap portions. But yeah, like I was really kind of blown away by this. I mean, I've seen better horror movies than this, but this is a significantly underrated one. I've 
maybe it's just because, like, everything has been, like, overshadowed by, like, Stranger Things for the past years when it comes to Netflix, but I don't know. Like, if you want something that's, like, good, um, if you want a good trilogy you can watch that's not connected to any big franchise or anything, just go get Fear Street to watch. It's really, really good. So, yeah, uh, tomorrow is going to be a sampler episode, and then, as I say at the end of the last one, we've got some more before we round out the month, and I go on hiatus. So, thanks for joining me. Stay safe. I'm signing off.